0: Welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and it's finally here. The world's finals are this weekend, and oh my god, (laughs) they got a good one this year. Hopefully it won't be another 3-0. I'm really hoping it's not another 3-0, even if Damon wins, even if the favorites win, I'm really hoping it's not another 3-0. Because we've had two upsets in a row now. And both of them have been incredibly boring 3-0s. So I'm hoping that is not going to be the case. It doesn't seem like it will be. Most of the projections online are saying this is probably going 5. All, all 5 games are going to be super bloody. But I'm, I'm just hoping we don't get another 3-0. I'm really hoping we don't get another 3-0. Because it, like, IG versus Fnatic was boring. FPX versus G2, even more so. Like, we we got to have something better than a three one-sided just bloodbaths that somehow go in favor of the underdog. Oh, we, like, can't have another one. But we'll get into what I think will happen in the actual game itself in a little bit. There's some news on the home front and Riot had another absolutely genius idea that proved they are the standard for what esports should be. Like most of the major leagues in League of Legends are all franchised and they've done it right. The broadcast is some of the best. The the broadcasts are some of the best in the world. The tournaments are massive and no one talks about the prize pools. They talk about the tournament itself, Dota. No one talks about the no one talks about the prize pools at Worlds, do they? I don't even know what the prize pool for Worlds is this year. I assume it's big because it Worlds is a massive tournament and it's going to draw the most eyeballs of any esports event this year. But no one talks about the prize pool like they do with Dota. Like TI8, two years ago. The big thing was that it had a $36 million prize pool. That was like the big story to mainstream audiences was Fortnite had a $30 million prize pool. And then two weeks later, TI8 started with a $36 million prize pool. Like that was the big storyline. Not the, like, I don't even watch Dota and I know what happened to TI8. Like, I, I'm i not plugged into Dota at all. And I know the story of TI8. Mostly because I'm plugged into the esports scene and I pick up stuff. But the fact that TI8 had a straight-up movie unfold and no one talked about that. Everyone talked about the prize pool. That was the big thing. It was a $36 million prize pool. That was That was it. And... And the team that won got to split 30, $3.6 million between the five of them. Like, that was, that was the big story. Not, not anything about how incredible that OG's run through TI was. That's not going to be the case with Worlds this year. If Sooning wins, that's going to be the story. That the third seed from China, no one, no one expected them to do this, went and beat the second seed from China, the first seed from China... And the first seed from Korea to become world champions if they do indeed win. And they beat the first seed from Europe in groups. So they went 2-1 against the first seed from Europe in groups. So they would have beaten all of the teams who people projected to have a chance to win this thing. Because the favorites coming in were on top. JD, and G2. Those were the big four that everyone thought, these are the four teams who have their only real chance at winning worlds. No one was talking about Suni. And they made it all the way here. And if they win, that would be the storyline. If Damwon wins, the story would be this team from Korea who stormed their way through the LCK, absolutely dominated, got the first seed, Steamrolled their way through Worlds, including against G2. And reclaimed the crown for a region that has been struggling the past couple of years. Because the last couple of years, they haven't made a Worlds final since 2017 until now. They haven't won MSI since 2016. Like, it's been a while since they've won big tournaments. They haven't won MSI in a while. They haven't won Worlds in a while. And the last time they did, it was two Korean teams in the final. So it was guaranteed to go to Korea. Then in 2018, their best team ever missed Worlds. And the Koreans didn't even go to the semis. It was NA, two European teams, and a team from China. Those were the final four at Worlds 2018. It was Cloud9, G2, Fnatic, and IG. Last year... Same thing. Korean team doesn't make the finals. Made the semis that year. Made the semis last year. But they lost to G2. And it's the same team that lost to G2. Now this year, the past two Chinese champions missed Worlds this year. It's a chance for Korea to come back and claim their throne. But they have to go up against the ultimate underdogs from China. That That's a storyline. Not like, oh, the... League Worlds at a $40 million prize pool. Let's only talk about that. No, people aren't, people aren't going to get invested in that. They're going to laugh at that. The mainstream audiences are going to laugh at that. You give them a story about the underdogs and everything that is going on with like every kind of storyline that's in, in Worlds this year. The, the LMS folding, Flash Wolves ceasing to exist basically. Vietnam not being able to send teams to Worlds this year. But representatives of all of that. Sword Art. S-O-F-M. Sword Art carrying the flag for Flash Wolves. Every, everyone's favorite underdog at Worlds. They were everyone's favorite underdog team at Worlds. Like, every year. Sword Art's carrying the flag for them. Him and Carsa battled it out to see who would be the one to take the Flash Wolves banner into finals. And they had an awesome series. Then Sofm, the man from Vietnam, first ever minor region import in the history of the LPL. The two Vietnamese teams couldn't go to Worlds this year, even though they qualified, because the Vietnamese government wouldn't let them back into the country if they get if they went, they would have had to stay in China. They couldn't have gone back home, so they didn't go to Worlds. They they gave up their spots. Damon didn't have to. Or the Korean third seed, so that wouldn't have been damn one. Korea didn't have to play in play-ins, even though they would have normally had to. Because Vietnam gave up gave up their spots. It it all comes back to storylines. That's that's the that's the main thing you gotta push. And there are a lot of good ones this year the underdogs carrying the flags of so many different things that were robbed of worlds and the Korean giants trying to reclaim their throne and take the legacy of what is now a diminished SKT. Like SKT is not who they once were. They now have missed worlds two out of the last three years. The last time they made a good run in worlds, they, the, their dynasty fell when they lost to SSG. Like, SKT is not who they once were. Faker is still the, the goat. Faker is still the best League of Legends player of all time, and it's going to be hard to top him. But SKT are not who they once were. And that, the Korean throne is up for grabs. And if Damwon wins this year. They would be able to claim that throne for themselves. Heck, they probably already have, depending on uh, what they end up doing in the LCK Spring Split. Because that's the thing. The LCK Spring Split starts ridiculously early. Like, it starts in November, basically. It starts as soon as World's Over. Like, LCK, new season. Let's go. Like, that's what happens every year. And... Like, I, I want to see what Damwon do when they go back to the LCK. They're probably going to go win spring split this year and qualify for MSI. That's that's the likely outcome. But there's going to be some interesting storylines to watch over in the LCK, too, depending on how world shakes out this weekend. But in all of that, because I have... The core purpose of this show is to show that esports belong at the same table as traditional sports. That is the, that is like the core purpose of the show. That is the idea in the back of my head that hit me when I first came up with the basic concept of what became the mashup. It was originally called Best of Both Worlds, but I didn't want the the mouse to end my career before it even started because treading even anywhere close to their copyrights feels like a bad idea. And Best of Both Worlds isn't a big one, but it is a Hannah Montana song. So I didn't want to. That's a little backstory into the history of the mashup, but that, that's what it was born out of. Showing that esports belong at the same table as traditional sports. And storylines is one way. And this other one, I suggested it months ago when the LCS playoffs ran on ESPN. A simplified broadcast for World's Finals. It's not going to be anywhere near as technical as the main broadcast that the majority of people are probably going to watch, but they, they're they essentially making a noobs broadcast for people who don't understand League of Legends all that well. They're making a super simplified broadcast that's just going to be like really basic and kind of explain the basics of the game so people who have not played hundreds of hours of League of Legends or watched hundreds of hours of League of Legends can enjoy it. And I think that's an absolutely genius idea. Like I said, I suggested this back in April for the ESPN broadcasts of the LCS playoffs. I'm glad someone at Riot had this same idea because there's no way they listened to the show and stole my idea. I don't believe that for a second. I'm not... Like, if I said that, I would be joking. Because I'm sure a lot of people also said the same thing. Because... Twitter is a great tool for that. And I saw a lot of tweets about people saying how confused they were watching the LCS broadcast on ESPN back in April because they were just desperate for competition to watch. So they, they turned on the LCS and they had no clue what was going on. So Riot has found a way to fix that and has created this simplified broadcast. And... I think it's a genius idea. Hopefully, it does well so they keep doing it, even if they only do it for major events. Like, if they only do it for, like, regional finals and MSI and Worlds, like, semis and grand finals, like, I'd be okay with that. If you only do it for big events, that's fine because it does take a lot of effort and manpower and money to put on a second broadcast. It does take a lot of money to do that. So I get not doing it for a random game in week two of the LCS spring split. Like, I I would understand not having a simplified broadcast for that. But for regional finals and international tournament finals, keep doing this because I think it's a good idea. But there's some news on the home front to talk about. Jensen got paid. Good lord. It broke earlier this week that Team Liquid Midlaner Jensen signed a three-year extension worth $4.2 million. $1.4 million a year, the biggest contract in the history of the LCS. And honestly, he's earned it. Because he had to suffer through a spring split of double if not giving a crap where he was having like the best run of his career in the early part of the spring split, but they kept losing because Doublelift just didn't care, and he was mad that they brought in Broxa instead of just running it back with the team that bombed out at Worlds again. So I could see rewarding Jensen for that. I don't know if they're going to keep Impact around now. I think he's probably gone. He's going to stay in NA because he also changed his residency too. I knew neither of them were going to leave NA. Because they they both changed their residency to North America. So they they weren't leaving. They were just going to leave Liquid and go to a different LCS team. Like Jensen is... Jensen's the guy for Liquid. I'm glad he's sticking around. Because it would... I know he's played on other teams, like he played on Cloud9, but it would feel weird to see him go anywhere else. And it's not like, it's not like Cloud9 needs him again. They have Niski. Like, they have, they have plenty to uh, work with. I could actually see Cloud9 signing Impact. I could 100% see Cloud9 signing Impact now that Licorice is gone. Heck, I could see Cloud9 and Liquid just swapping top laners. Like impact goes to Cloud Nine, Licorice goes to Liquid. I could absolutely see that happening because they they need to be build that team up around Jensen. Like the meta doesn't totally follow carry mid laners anymore, but they're still important. And him and Tactical are going to be the two best players on that team next year. So they need to just build around them and hope for the best. They'll probably they'll probably be one of the better teams in this year. At least I think so. But you you never know at the LCS. Like, it is wildly unpredictable because one team will just come out of nowhere and completely pop off. It happens. It happens all the time. Like, no one expected Cloud9 to be as good as they were this year. No one did. Everyone's like, oh, they lost the offseason, and then they lose, what, one game in the entire spring split? They weren't as good in summer. They they obviously weren't as good in summer. They didn't make Worlds. But going into summer, everyone expected them to just run through and be North America's first seed and be North America's only hope at Worlds this year, neither of which happened. But that changes things for TSM now because the big free agent mid laner they had the best chance to get is now off the market. (laughs) Unless they somehow make a deal with G2 to get caps. If they got caps... If, if TSM gives, gets Caps, I will be shocked because Perks ain't leaving because he's like the one of the originators of G2. But I can see Caps leaving. But if Caps leaves G2, he's staying in Europe like there's no way he's signing with TSM like TSM Caps is not happening. Watch a week from now. TSM Caps is going to get announced like. First move of free agency: TSM signed Caps. Like that's exactly what's going to happen. Now that I said it won't, but I, I honestly think that is a that is a pipe dream for TSM fans if they think if they think they're going to get Caps. So I think they need to go the other route and sign a lesser known mid laner and just try to build them up to fill in Bjergsen's incredibly massive shoes. The, the massive hole he left in that roster with, with his retirement, and I can't believe people are already questioning his decision. Like I get where they're coming from, but I think uh, I think before the spring split starts, Doublelift's going to retire, and that's that's kind of the big that's like the big criticism of it is that like Bjergsen and Doublelift will not be able to work with a different power dynamic where Bjergsen is the coach and Doublelift is the player rather than both being players and Bjergsen's just team captain. I think before the spring split starts, Doublelift is either going to leave TSM or be cut by TSM, if we're being honest, or he's going to retire because he at least entertained the idea when Bjergsen first told him. He has admitted that on both Twitter and on stream that when Bjergsen first told him he was retiring, he started writing his retirement speech, which means it's probably written, which means it's probably still a thought in the back of his mind. And if I'm TSM, I would tell him to go ahead and do it because they're going to have to rebuild anyway. And him and Bjergsen, I don't know how long that dynamic would work as coach and player rather than team captain and other veteran player who is really good friends with him. Like, I can see the criticism of that. But I don't think in the long run he will be a bad head coach. I think in the long run he will be a very good head coach. The, the team's going to have to rebuild a little bit, which is why I think Doublelift should retire too. Which I have said multiple times on this show before, it's time for NA to move on. Like, we have been relying on Bjergsen and Jensen and Double if and Sneaky for far too long. It is time to move on. It is, it is 100% time to move on and find the new faces of the LCS. It may take a couple of years, but it's time to move on. So, Doublelift retiring is a step in the right direction. If the rumors are true that Sneaky's going back to Dignitas, I don't think that'll be a huge deal because I don't expect Dignitas to be all that good in spring. Because, I mean, it's Dignitas. They weren't very good in spring last year. And they're basically just hitting the reset button on the entire roster. So who who even knows what they're going to be next year? But I don't think they'll be good. But it, it's time for North America to move on. We we have to. These guys never got it done. It's time to find the new crop because Europe's done it. Europe originally had, like Expeca was the big guy in Europe. Eventually Expeca. It was, it was Xpeke and it was Carlos. Ocelon. Then they retired, started their own orgs, and in came Caps. And Reckless And Perks. Like, hey, you need to do the same thing again here in NA. It's time for Bjergsen and Jensen. Not really Jensen as much. He's still... He's still got a little bit of time left because he's a little bit younger. But it's time for Bjergsen and Doublelift and Sneaky to take a step back and let the next wave of North American talent start to rise up because these guys never got it done. It's time to move on and find somebody new. And it sucks. Like these guys were the faces of the LCS since it became a thing, but it's time to move on. But that's what I've got for the wide world of league of legends. What are you guys predictions for world's finals this weekend? Who's going to win, and what's the, what's, the, uh, what's the series score going to be? Are we going to get another 3-0? We go to 5, or is it 4? And, and who takes it? The underdogs or the Korean Titans looking to claim an empty throne? What do you guys think? Let me know on Twitter, at RealPatterson50, at Mashup underscore But that's it for League of Legends. Up next, baseball actually finished its season. It was a little dicey there for a while. And the World Series was actually pretty good, despite some very dumb managerial decisions. We'll get into all of it up next here on The Mashup. Okay, time for some baseball. And I'm a little shocked they actually finished the season. I thought, uh, I thought it was going to be real bad. I didn't want to buy into the haters, but then the Marlins had to stop playing for two weeks. Right after the season started. So uh, we're off to a great start, but eventually things slowed down and we did play this shortened season to completion. And before I even get into it, no, the Dodgers championship is not a fraud because it was a shortened 60 game season. If anything, it was probably a little bit harder because it was a sprint and the reigning World Series champion missed the playoffs by a mile, even with expanded playoffs. So no... It was not a fraudulent World Series championship. They are legitimate World Series champions. They are they are legitimate World Series champions. Like it or not, that is the case. So take that what you will. It is a legit championship. Same with the Stanley Cup this year. Same with the NBA championship this year. And same with the twenty twenty one Super Bowl. They're all legit championships. I mean, the NFL is playing a full sixteen game season, so it's going to be really hard to argue that. But well, the the college football national championship this year is also going to be legitimate because, duh, it's a it was a fight to even have college football play, but their championship is going to be legit. But the Dodgers did it; they finally did it after years upon years of choking in the playoffs, despite their insane payroll, and the massive amounts of talent they have on that roster. They finally did it. And I just have to say, congrats to Mookie Betts, because I did like him when he was in Boston, at least what I could see of his personality, what little you could see of his personality while watching him play. I hated playing against him. I hated when the Orioles would play against him because he would kick their butts. But congrats to Mookie Betts. His team screwed him over, even though he wanted to stay there. He leaves, and he goes and wins a World Series immediately. While the Red Sox also missed the playoffs. God, what a beautiful thing. And all I have to say on the Mookie Betts thing is, I'm glad he is about as far from the Orioles as you could possibly be for the next 12 years. Because... You can't be farther from the Orioles than in the NL West because the Orioles are both in the AL and the AL East. So you can't possibly be farther from the Orioles than playing on the Los Angeles Dodgers or any other team in the NL West. But, God, that that's funny. The, seeing the Red Sox fans paint on Twitter was hilarious to me. Because Red Sox fans don't have the same smug arrogance that Patriots fans do. Like, Patriots fans pretend they don't care. Red Sox fans tried to pretend they didn't care, but you could really see right through You can see right through the Patriots fans, too. The Red Sox fans were just worse at hiding it. Because Mookie's still in his prime. It's not like Tom Brady's still in his prime. He's still got it, but he's only got a year or two left. Mookie Betts is going to be playing elite level baseball for a large majority of the remainder of that contract. Because <laughs> he's. He, I don't think he's much older than me. Like, how old is he? Yeah, Mookie Betts is 28. So that contract is good till he's 40, but he's also a right fielder. So he'll be fine. So that, that contract's good till he's 40. But he's going to be playing elite-level elite, le- elite level baseball for at least another eight years. Like, he, he's going to be playing high-level baseball for a at least two-thirds of the remainder of that contract. So, I'm going to laugh every single time. Because... The Dodgers are probably going to win another World Series or two with this core. If I'm being honest, the Dodgers are probably going to win another World Series or two with this core. Before... Before their window closes. And I'm going to laugh every time they do. Unless they do it against the Orioles. Because every World Series they win is another ring on Mookie's finger that's blue and not red. And given my hatred of the Red Sox, that would be hilarious. But we have to congratulate the true MVP for the Dodgers in Game 6, Kevin Cash. My God, what a dumb decision. Blake Snell was dealing. He, two hits, no runs, and six strikeouts between the top three hitters in the Dodgers lineup. Mookie, Seeger and Bellinger were all 0-2 with two strikeouts against him. All three of them. Nobody got a hit against him. And as soon as they pulled him, boom, hit. Double to Mookie. Or it might have been Bellinger. I don't remember. It was one of the three of them. But. Snow gives up the hit. He gets yanked because the analytics say so. And immediately they give up a double. And then just a few at-bats later, the Dodgers take the lead. And that was that. Game was over. (laughs) Because the Rays' bats had very much gone quiet in that game since they were only up 1-0. But Blake Snell was dealing. Blake Snell was throwing nothing but gas. He was under 70 pitches when he got the hook, but because the analytics said so, they gave gave him the hook. Now, look, I'm not going to rip on analytics. I think it's great. The Ravens have embraced them. The Orioles have embraced them. But when you're over-reliant on analytics, this is what happens. You You have to give a pitcher who's been absolutely dealing... Less than 70 pitches, two hits, shutout. And six strikeouts against the three best hitters in the other team's lineup. Six strikeouts against their best hitters combined between the three of them. And it was two each. And yet, you give the guy the hook because the analytics said so. He was throwing gas. Leave him out there. And earlier in the series, he left Tyler Glasnow well over 100 pitches. He was clearly exhausted. Left him out there to get wrecked. He got destroyed. He gave up a bunch of bombs. And, of course, the Rays lost that game, too. Because the analytics said to leave Tyler Glasnow out there, even though he was clearly done. And they lost. And the analytics said to Blake Snell, said take Blake Snell out, even though he's dealing because the analytics say so. And guess what? You lost and you lost the World Series. And props to LA for their celebration. You guys were celebrating like maniacs and I appreciate you. But we got got the season to completion and oh man, Manfred got booed like crazy. Those, Those were Gary Bettman, Roger Goodell level boos. Like, those might have been, which is insane, given the fact that the stadium was limited capacity. Those are the kind of boos you get for Roger Goodell at the draft, or when he's presenting the Super Bowl trophy, or when Gary Bettman's presenting the Stanley Cup, which I don't know if he'll, I don't know if the two of them are going to get booed this year, but, like, this coming year. Well, this year for Goodell, this coming season for Bettman. I don't know if they'll get booed when they present the Stanley Cups this time. Or the Stanley Cup and the Lombardi Trophy. But tradition is hard to break. But Manfred was getting booed like crazy while he was presenting the MVP Trophy. And a lot of people were saying he was drunk or he had a stroke. I know what actually happened. He had he had his earpiece in. Uh, IFB is the, the technical term. You could see it. It was on the camera side, which is also wrong. You're supposed to hide it from the camera. And where it on the side of the camera is not looking at. Or if you're straight on, you can put it in either ear because the camera and you just hide the wire behind your back. So he did that wrong. And for whatever reason, the audio guy screwed up and his voice was feeding back in. Now, normally that wouldn't be such a problem, hearing your own voice is how most commentators do it when they're on headset. You can hear your own voice in your ear. But It's not on a delay. You hear it as you say it. It is just feeding directly back into you. But when you're using a wireless mic and you're doing it that way, it's on about a half second delay. And that half second delay, when it's your own voice feeding back into your ear, just slightly off from when you say it, it scrambles your brain and it makes it sound like you are completely hammered or you're having a stroke. Or in the case of Manfred, both. Now, I love making fun of Rob Manfred, and he did sound like a complete idiot. But don't make fun of him for being hammered. Make fun of him for being too dumb to take his earpiece out. (laughs) Because he didn't need it. The only thing he needed it for is to be cued by the producer at Fox. To say, all right, Mr. Commissioner, go ahead. And as as, as soon as that started messing him up, he should have just ripped the thing out. And I honestly have a theory that Fox's producer wanted to make him look like an idiot... And just didn't tell him to take the thing out so he could talk like a normal human. I have, because the average person isn't going to know. They're just going to assume he's completely drunk. Which, based on the reaction on Twitter, is exactly what happened. And I don't think that's actually true. But if it is true, credit to you, Mr. Fox producer. Because that is the funniest thing to have happened all year. Rob Manfred looking like an idiot when presenting the World Series MVP trophy? Yeah. Yeah. More of that. Because this guy sucks. He needs to be removed. Now. Like, he is going to kill baseball. Because now, Justin Turner, for some reason, the test results came back too late. And Justin Turner found out mid-game he tested positive, so they had to yank him. And he had to go back and isolate in the locker room. And when the game ended, he said, screw it. And he went out He went out and celebrated with his team. Now, that is a violation of protocol. But he was clearly not showing any symptoms. Because if he was showing symptoms, he would have isolated himself immediately. He was not showing any symptoms. He went out there to celebrate with his team. And it seems like nobody on either team has tested positive yet. So I'm thinking... He's probably fine. He is probably going to get in more trouble than the Astros did to cheating their way to a World Series. Rob Manfred. Justin Turner is probably going to get in more trouble for celebrating a World Series championship with his team that he did play a part in winning than the Astros did for cheating their way to a World Series. And that... It's just wrong. That, that just feels straight up wrong. But that's probably what's going to happen because Rob Manfred. We need to get this guy out of baseball now. He's going to kill the game. And, and speaking of, of idiots who need to be removed from office, Mayor Bill de Blasio, everyone already hated him. I live in Maryland. I don't live anywhere near New York. For me to even get to New York State, it would take me about three hours just driving straight through. Maybe longer, depending on which way I went. It would take forever for me to get to the state of New York. It would take a long time. That You can do it in a day, but it is, it is a trip that's going to take all day. And it's better to get a hotel room and just sleep there that night. Like, that's how far I am from New York. And even I know, everyone hates Bill de Blasio. <laughs> and now... He is trying to kill the Met sale to Steve Cohen. He said, apparently, he said he will do everything in his power to stop that sale from happening because somehow the mayor of New York has that authority. And the rumors are swirling that Alex Rodriguez is actually behind this. And why am I not surprised? I have made my opinion on Alex Rodriguez very clear on this show. And. Guess what? He sucks. If this is true, that if he's trying to block, if he's trying to get de Blasio to block the sale of the Mets to Steve Cohen, for no reason, it seems, he is the ultimate sore loser. He he is the ultimate sore loser. Like, Jeter owning the Marlins has already proven to be a miserable failure. Don't let Alex Rodriguez do the same thing to the Mets. They're already bad enough. And now that the Wilpons are finally gone, that team can finally have some peace. And now this idiot mayor and a guy most Mets fans, I'm assuming probably also hate, is trying to screw them over. And I think it's wrong. Just let the sale to Cohen go through. Let him save that team from themselves. And... Tell tell Alex Rodriguez he's a sore loser and he should have bid more money. He should have put in a better bid because if if Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter both end up as baseball owners, that league is that league is straight up screwed. Like I think I've made my opinion on both of them on this show very clear, but like they they are straight up the worst. Like, and de Blasio was already on thin ice. He just made himself a million times worse. Everyone already hated him. He just made it worse. Didn't think that was possible. But he somehow made everyone's opinion of him worse. And I think it's kind of funny. He's probably not going to end up blocking the sale. He's just trying to flex that's what he's been doing since March. He's just been trying to flex. So I hope that uh, that Manfred makes him stop. Finally, does something intelligent and and lets and lets the Mets sale go through because the Mets being good is good for baseball. They're in New York. The Yankees need a little bit of a challenge from. Let's be honest here, their little brothers because the Mets are the Yankees' little brother. Even Mets fans will admit that. Two New York teams both being good is better for baseball. And the Mets will hopefully be, hopefully will not become the Yankees where everyone will also hate them. I hope that doesn't end up being the case because two villains from New York, oh God, two villain teams from New York, that would be so much worse. But I I don't think that will be the case. At least I hope not. Because the Yankees are just so ingrained in everyone's mind as evil that hopefully it won't go the same way for them. Won't go the same way for the Mets. But, A-Rod, if you are really behind this, just stop. Just stop. Like You've already done so many dumb things. You somehow invested in an esports team despite your... Boiling hatred of the entire concept. You tried to buy the Mets, didn't bid high enough, and now are a sore loser trying to block the sale of the guy who did successfully buy the team. And you just need to stop. No one likes you. You cheated your entire career as a player. You went to the Yankees, became even more hated than you already were. And you deserve all the hate you get screw you alex rodriguez Th- this turn screw you alex rodriguez screw you rob manfred you both suck and you're both terrible for the game of baseball i hate you both but that's it for baseball congrats to the dodgers oh congrats to zach Greinke too like that not zach Greinke. uh clayton kershaw zach Granke left congrats to clayton kershaw that man put up with a lot of crap <laughs> And he choked a lot because Playoff Kershaw didn't become a meme for no reason. Congrats to him for hopefully breaking the Playoff Kershaw curse and finally, finally getting a World Series ring. But that's it for baseball. Up next, we'll uh, get into some Valorant. That's up next here on the mashup. All right, welcome back the mashup and riot just owns this show this week because we're talking about valorant and the nsg first strike qualifier which has been killing it in views lately like some of these matches have peaked at well over thirty thousand viewers i think one of the matches got even higher it got the tsm match got close to like a hundred thousand the la- the last tsm match which i believe was against the hundred thieves yeah the tsm hundred thieves match got close to, like, 100,000 viewers across the mainstream and all the people doing watch parties. Like, 100,000 people were watching that game. That's insane. And TSM totally stomped 100 Thieves. And 100 Thieves, they had a good run. Like, they were pretty low seed. They were probably going to lose to TSM. I didn't expect them to get stomped this bad, but I kind of expected them to lose to TSM. I think they'll still qualify for First Strike. This just wasn't their tournament because... Now the TSM's already in. They don't have as much of a problem to worry about. Like, they'll have to worry about Sentinels. They will have to worry about Sentinels. But they won't have to worry about TSM at the next qualifier because TSM's already in, so they have no reason to play at the qualifiers. But, yeah, TSM. They are... TSM is so freaking good. Like, TSM is ridiculously good. And... This has been, like, despite the fact that it's just a qualifier for first strike, this has been an insanely good tournament. Like, we had a couple we had a couple big upsets, like the Moon Raccoons, awesome name. Slimy Boogermen, awesome name. Now, the Slimy Boogermen robbed us of C9 Battle of the Sexes, which is slightly annoying, but they turned out good they turned out a good effort against Cloud9 Blues, so and they beat Cloud9 White. So, have to give them props there cuz for what I've seen of Cloud9 White, they're also ridiculously good. I was I was hoping for for C9 Blue versus C9 White, but if they keep playing at the same tournaments, we'll get it eventually, don't you worry. But the the obvious big shocks here was Sentinels getting totally destroyed by Gen G. I don't know what the heck happened to them in that series, but it was not pretty. Like, especially in, in Game 2. Like, they won the pistol round, and then they won the second round. And then they just fell apart. Like, Gen. G just took over. And, like, Genji are a good team, but I didn't expect them to beat Sentinels. I didn't expect them to beat Sentinels at all. Like, I was straight-up shocked by that. It was a really good... Like, it was a good set, too. Well, at least from Gen. G's perspective. And from TSM's perspective, because... Hunter Thieves lost to a team they, in all honesty, probably should have dominated. Like, I know TSM fans found that hilarious. Because, again, I think Hunter Thieves and Sentinels are both going to qualify for first strike. They just got kind of unlucky at this tournament. Like, Sentinels had a bad performance at the absolute worst time. Like, if they had won that match, they'd they'd have qualified for the real first strike, not Genji. And... Hunter Thieves, they weren't going to beat TSN. That, that's a brand new roster, essentially, playing in their first big tournament since the the roster change. Because, remember, it was originally Hiko and the four PUBG boys. Now it's Hiko, Dicey, Asuna, Nitro, and Steel. Like, and the problem with that team is they're trying to play Valorant too much like it's CS. Now, I know. A lot of the criticism of Valorant is... It's literally just CS with abilities instead of normal utility grenades. And I get that. That is a valid criticism. But people have multiple abilities. So it is a different game. A lot of the same logic applies, at least when it comes to aim and the economy and like what you buy when and force buying and all that kind of stuff. Like The basic strategy still applies. But there is also the issue of You have to deal with people who can throw what is essentially a Molotov down at their own feet, and instead of killing him, it will heal him. Or people who, instead of throwing the same character, who, instead of throwing a smoke grenade, creates a wall of fire that also heals him, and he can throw flashbangs through and be completely immune to, as long as he stays on the right side of the wall. Like, that doesn't exist in CS. Or the big one, Brimstone, who can drop smokes basically anywhere on the map, no matter where he is. He doesn't have to be looking at them. And his ultimate, where he can call down a giant laser from the sky. He can just, he can just summon the Hammer of Dawn and boom, prepare for Hellfire. Like, just giant laser. It can, it can kill an entire team if they're clustered together too much and they're not careful. Like, none of that exists in C.S., So you can't play... You have to think of Valorant as a separate game. Like, CS players are pretty good at Valorant because they're really good at aiming. And the concepts are pretty similar. And the guns are all very similar. Like, there is a one-to-one connection between most of the guns in Valorant and guns in CS. Like, the Frenzy is a CZ-10, the Ghost is a USP, the Classic's a 1911... Vandal's an AK. The Operator is an op. Like, that's the most obvious one. The Odin, the Ares are, like, M249s. The shotguns, there's they're all connection. There's, like, one-to-one connections between most of the guns in the game. And the economy is basically exactly the same. Like... All of the guns cost basically exactly the same as what they do in, uh, in CS. So you can see where the similarities come, but they are different games. And you can't play Valorant like you play CS. And that was one of the things Hunter Thieves was doing against TSM. And you can't do that because TSM play Valorant like it's Valorant. They play with the abilities in mind and play counterpicks to that. And that's what you got to do to win a game of Allen. And, I mean, what, what can you do otherwise? Like like I said, TSM is obviously going to make it, but 100 Thieves is going to qualify for first strike. I, I have confidence in them because that's a good team. That's five really good players. They just have to work on their chemistry and... They have to work on not playing Valorant like it's CS, which that could also be Hiko's problem. But he's ridiculously good at Valorant. He's popped off with that game. His stream has done better than it has in years. Like, even when he was, even before he signed with 100 Thieves and decided to go pro in Valorant, when he started playing Valorant, his stream, boom, his stream, his stream skyrocketed. Like, bigger than it was even when he was at the top of his game in CS. When he was hanging out with Simple. Like, even at the top of his game, he's getting better numbers than he did then. Like, he's pulling massive, massive views on his channel. Like, Valorant revived his career in more ways than one. And he has to... It it could be his problem that he's thinking of it too much like, like CS. And it is a different game. And... That could also be Steel and Nitro because they literally just switched over. Steel was playing professional CS for Team Liquid just a couple months ago. So can't really blame him for not being able to completely turn his CS brain off. Same with Nitro. like They were playing CS professionally not that long ago. Like Hiko has about a year removed from his, his CS pro days. And Asuna and Dicey, like, they hadn't really taken off in CS yet. So, like, maybe it, maybe it's just Steel and Nitro who are kind of playing with CS Brain. And if they can just switch that to Valorant Brain, I think 100 Thieves will be fine. Sentinels, I don't know what the heck happened to them. They just had a really bad game. And hopefully they'll bounce back because their rivalry with TSM is is too good. Their rivalry with TSM is way too good. And hopefully they can hopefully they can they can bounce back at the at the umG qualifier like I think they'll be fine they're still really good Sinatra's still a freak that whole team is still a bunch of freaks like they're insanely good I don't know how they got swept by gen g like gen g was playing out of their freaking minds and now they get to go to first strike because of it and props to them because they haven't they looked way more impressive when it when Valorant Esports first started because they had been a team for a lot longer than the other teams they went up against in that tournament were. Because they were a full five stack. They got signed by G. Like, they were... They were a... underfunded CS team that was trying to break into the scene and then the scene changed dramatically. So they decided to jump ship to Valorant and G picked them up and they found success because they were a cohesive five-pan unit. And and now they they finally got back to where they were at the beginning of Valorant by beating the consensus one of the best teams in NA and probably a top 5 team in the world. And congrats to them. Like they they played out of their freaking minds. But this has been such a fun tournament and I like as I'm recording this right now, the Team Envy Gen G match is going on. And with the score check, the scoreboard I'm looking at says Envy is up 1-0 on Gen G. So Gen G is uh Gen G doing some pretty uh their their miracle run might be over. I'm I'm gonna pull it up on Twitch right now and see what's happening. No, it looks like uh Looks like Envy's up on them again. So they made it to first strike. They they got the upset they needed. But it seems like uh Ten their uh their their run is over. And Team Envy is going to uh do the thing, and if I'm being honest, probably end up facing TSM in the finals of this thing, because TSM stomped 100 Thieves. They can they can beat Cloud9Blue. Yeah, what, what's the... Yeah, at, at time of recording right now, Envy is up... Envy is up 11-8 in Game 2. So they are probably about to win this thing. En- Envy's up 11-8 in Game 2 right now, and I'm thinking they're going to hold on and win Game 2. TSM Cloud9 Blue. If uh, that game will be over by the time you're listening to this, but I'm assuming TSM is going to win that one, and then you get Envy and TSM in the finals, which is probably going to be a really good final. Check back on Tuesday for uh, my reaction to that, for my reaction to that series. But I love that Valorant is is taking off. Like it had, it's had so much criticism. It, well, honestly, what I consider unfair criticism because it's not CS. Well, of course it's not CS. That wasn't their goal. Their goal was to be their own game. That was just also happened to be a tactical shooter, and it's it's a different game. Like there's there was a lot of hate in Twitch chat. Like there was a, a copy pasta about Valorant fans molding like their game was ever even alive. It broke Twitch records when it when it first dropped. So the game was, the game definitely has legs. It like Riot owns the two most watched game categories in Twitch history. Like that's, uh, that's indisputable. One of them was league. The other was Valorant right after the, uh, right when the beta started. And the numbers went down as people started getting beta access because that's why most people were watching because they wanted into the beta. But the game's still doing really well on Twitch. And if the tournaments are any indication, like, especially, I've I've said it before, I'll say it again. As soon as we get a LAN, good God. Because people want to see NA versus EU. I've been waiting to see what TSM can do against Gen G for months. Like, ever since Gen G started going on a tear and showing how good they truly are, I want to see what TSM and Sentinels can do against Gen G and Liquid. Like, I want to see that. I want to see that as soon as possible. Hopefully, hopefully the main event of First Strike will actually be on land, because it's it's in December, so fingers crossed. I doubt it will be. There's rules for both for online play and land play. But I'm, I'm fingers crossed that, that First Strike, even though they're going to be regional, will be on land. Because it'll be nice to actually see, well, one, TSM and Sentinels playing each other in the same room. Because we haven't gotten that yet. And I really desperately want to see it. Because they really don't like each other. At all. Like Wardell and Sinatra staring each other down—that's going to be amazing. And there's the the core of Valorant's rivalries are alive in that rivalry. Like Sentinels, that entire team came from very diverse backgrounds. Like Overwatch, Apex, CS—like multiple backgrounds. TSM is all CS guys. That's that's kind of a core Overwatch rivalry is. The guys from other games and the guys from CS. And then TSM and Sentinels. That just... Everything about that rivalry is so good. They absolutely hate each other. And I need to see that match happen on LAN as soon as possible. And I obviously want to see, like, international events. Like, I want to (laughs) see... I want to see TSM against G2. Because... I want to see... Wardell versus Mixwell. Because Wardell admitted that he studies the game by watching how Mixwell plays. Which, uh, if the Michael Jordan logic is any indication, or the LeBron James logic, of guys wearing your shoes to play against you in in basketball, that's going to be interesting. Because Mixwell... Obviously, has heard Wardell say that he knows that, so he's uh, he's probably going to try to give him a lesson uh, firsthand, and I want to see that because I want to see who comes out on top in that situation. I mean, Sentinels is kind of my go-to Valorant team, so I don't know where I where my allegiances would high in that situation, because do I pull for NA or do I pull for TSM to lose? Tough questions. Tough, tough, tough questions. But I'm I'm very excited for where this game's going to go. Like, the NSG first strike qualifier has been incredible. We're going to get another NSG tournament in a couple weeks. Then we get the UMG qualifier. Then we get the UMG tournament after that. And then we get first strike. I I thought eSports were about to go into hibernation for the rest of the year. And then first strike came down and blessed me and other eSports fans with plenty of good content to watch between now and the end of the year because First Strike is going to end right before kind of everything's going to go on Christmas hiatus. So I can live with that. I can absolutely live with that. And then as soon as Christmas is over, everything will start to ramp up again. League, COD, Overwatch. Valorant doesn't seem like it's really going to have much of an offseason. There's going to be tournaments all year. Same with C, like the same thing CS does. I'm, I'm very excited because I honestly think we're going to get back to lands pretty soon, which is good. Like we need to get back to lands as soon as possible. And I can't wait. Like there's so much there. There's so much in the Valorant scene now, now, especially in, in North America. Now that, Orgs are like really investing into the game. They're kind of pulling out of CS and investing more and more into Valorant instead, which personally I think is good because I like Valorant better than CS. I might be an outlier in that situation, but I never really like CS. I like games with characters who have personality, which is why I like League. It's why I like Overwatch. It's why I like fighting games. It's why I like Valorant. That yeah, is why I like Siege. It's not like I, I have a thing against tactical shooters because I mean they're they're a little more hero shootery because they have characters with unique abilities and stuff. But Siege plays more like a tactical shooter, or Siege plays more like a hero shooter. Valorant plays more like a attack shooter, and they're both great. They're both great games. But I'm like just thinking about everything that happened at this tournament. There's so many interesting storylines building in NA Valorant. Like you have hundred thieves trying to find their way, like with multiple roster changes, you have cloud nine blue trying to not be as overly reliant on tens, which if they've made it this far, since they made it this far is definitely the case. Cloud nine white, the first, the first like official all female roster to be signed to a big org. Because like, Dignitas FE. They're a Counter-Strike team, primarily. They're a Counter-Strike team that also plays Valorant. Cloud9 White are exclusively a Valorant roster. And I honestly think they have a chance to beat Cloud9 Blue if they were to play them. Because I th- I personally think they're more of a balanced team and Cloud9 Blue kind of relies on Tents to carry a little bit. And when he's on, he's on and they're going to win everything. But... That can come back to bite you against a more balanced team like Cloud9White up here today. Had a lot of unsigned teams make make big splashes. Obviously, Slimy Boogerman, like, they qualified for the UMG qualifier. Like, they're already in because they finished top eight. Like, top four, they go to first strike. Next four, they go to UMG. Slimy Boogermen were included in that. It was Sentinels, Hundred Thieves, um sentinels hundred thieves t1 and slimy boogerman like three big orgs and a team of amateurs like that's who's going to the umg qualifier from the nsg qualifier like they've already made it in. and that's awesome like they're probably going to get signed to some big org between now and then same with uh, same with moon Raccoons, which is a shame because that's a great name <laughs> That's a great name for a team. Both both of those names are. I'm I'm a little mad that Slimy Boogerman robbed us of of C9 Battle of the Sexes, but if they're going to complete keep competing in the same tournaments, it'll come soon enough. I can't wait till it happens because <laughs> what are the casters going to do? Are they are they just going to say blue and white, or are they going to slip up and say Cloud Nine? <laughs> because if you just say Cloud Nine, like. They're both cloud nine. That would be, or when international lands can happen and either C9 blue or C9 white end up playing C9 Korea or T1 NA ends up playing T1 Korea. That's going to be pretty funny. I I can't wait for international lands just to have like inter inter-org civil war matches. It's like who is the better T1? The team from NA or the team from Korea? Who's the better C9? The American guys, the American girls or the Koreans? <laughs> like and I think other orgs are probably going to start finding female rosters now that now that Cloud9 has uh, really started the wave of like Valorant exclusive all female rosters. And I hope Valorant doesn't do the CS thing where its pro scene is gender segregated. Because what is the point of that in esports? My God. Like, what is the point of gender-segregated pro scenes in esports? I get it in basketball. Like, I get it in soccer. But I get it in hockey. I get it in every other traditional sport. But why do you need to do it in esports? Like, reflexes are not the same as physical strength reflexes and game sense are not the same as physical strength where men have on average a genetic advantage a a genetic size advantage that is not the case with reflexes like that is just how like that that's genetic but it's not differentiated by gender and you can train your reflexes a lot more than you can train size. Like, height. Height you don't control. Physical, like, strength and size you, in that way you do. But, like, there's no reason to gender-segregate pro esports scenes. There really isn't. And I'm glad Cloud9White competed in this tournament. Because they made a good run. And they lost to an amateur team who probably aren't going to be amateurs much longer. Like they probably the next tournament they play in, they probably won't even be called the slimy Men. They will probably have an org name attached to them. By the next tournament they play in cuz it's in a couple weeks. So, props to you guys. Like you made a statement, mostly with your ridiculous name, but also by beating C9 White. Like that's a big accomplishment. Like beating a pro team, no matter how good you are as amateurs, is a big deal. Like together we are terrific. Always did that. And now they got signed. They're they're envy now and it seems like they're probably making finals. I think they already have because it's it's probably been enough time for them to uh win another round. Yeah, looks like uh looks like they have in fact won another round. So, congrats to uh congrats to team envy. They're going to the finals of the NSG first straight qualifiers, where, if I'm wrong here, I will be shocked. They will more than likely meet and lose to TSM. But hey, they made a run. This is one of their first really deep runs in a tournament as Team Envy. So props to them. Like, they made their runs together. We are terrific. And now they're even better, it seems. But, yeah, I like... I love the teams with ridiculous names. Like together we are terrific. That's a great name if you think about it. Slimy Booger Men, Moon Raccoons. I love the fact that Valorant has is still an open an open game structure. Like it's not franchised. and I hope they don't franchise for a while. I hope they keep it open. I hope they differentiate it from League, so you can get teams with ridiculous names like Moon Raccoons or one of the teams that was at uh, I am was. Uh, Swole Patrol, and they beat 100 Thieves. That was great. Like, I, I love the ridiculous names of amateur teams in esports. They are amazing. So, Riot, keep Valorant esports like this for as long as you possibly can. Maybe never franchise it. Maybe just stick with open structures, because it seems to be doing pretty well for you. But that's what I've got for the Valorant First Strike Tournaments this game is ready to take off. Like, as soon as a land can happen that people can go to, this game's gonna blow up even more than it already has. That is that is my prediction right here. That's that's my early prediction for 2021 is gonna be a good year for Valorant. That's not much of a that's not exactly a bold prediction saying 2021 is gonna be a good year for Valorant, but I'm making it right now, about two months early, but I'm making it right now, and I'm that's probably what I'm gonna stick to when I do my uh Predictions for the New Year show at the end of the year, but that's what I got for Valorant. That's what I've got for the entire show. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Come follow me on Twitch. I will be back there all weekend long. Probably gonna be playing Rogue Company, maybe a little bit of Overwatch, and me. I, I might finally play uh Resident Evil Seven on on Saturday on actual Halloween, but who knows. But come follow me on Twitch. I'll leave a link in the description. Twitch.tv slash Dark 1230. Twitch.tv slash D A R K S N I P E R 1230. Hope you all come by. Drop me a follow. I'm so close to affiliate. I, I need three more. I would really appreciate it. But that's it for me. Enjoy your weekend, everyone, and I will talk to you on Tuesday. See you then.